Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 28 of Venetian Crimes and Punishments by Cesare Beccaria. Translated by Edward Duncan and Graham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Caroline. Chapter 28 of The Punishment of Death The useless profusion of punishments, which has never made men better, induces me to inquire whether the punishment of death be really just or useful in a well-governed state what right i ask have men to cut the throats of their fellow-creatures certainly not that on which the sovereignty and laws are founded the laws as i have said before are only the sum of the smallest portions of the private liberty of each individual and represent the general will which is the aggregate of that of each individual did any one ever give to others the right of taking away his life is it possible that in the smallest portions of the liberty of each sacrificed to the good of the public can be contained the greatest of all good life if it were so how shall it be reconciled to the maxim which tells us that a man has no right to kill himself which he certainly must have if he could give it away to another but the punishment of death is not authorized by any right for i have demonstrated that no such right exists it is therefore a war of a whole nation against a citizen whose destruction they consider as necessary or useful to the general good but if i can further demonstrate that it is neither necessary nor useful i shall have gained the cause of humanity the death of a citizen cannot be necessary but in one case when though deprived of his liberty he has such power and connections as may endanger the security of the nation when his existence may produce a dangerous revolution in the established form of government but even in this case it can only be necessary when a nation is on the verge of recovering or losing its liberty or in times of absolute anarchy when the disorders themselves hold the place of laws 
but in a reign of tranquillity in a form of government approved by the united wishes of the nation in a state well fortified from enemies without and supported by strength within and opinion perhaps more efficacious where all power is lodged in the hands of a true sovereign where riches can purchase pleasures and not authority there can be no necessity for taking away the life of a subject if the experience of all ages be not sufficient to prove that the punishment of death has never prevented determined men from injuring society if the example of the romans if twenty years reign of elizabeth empress of russia in which she gave the fathers of their country an example more illustrious than many conquests bought with blood if i say all this be not sufficient to persuade mankind who always suspect the voice of reason and who choose rather to be led by authority let us consult human nature in proof of my assertion it is not the intenseness of the pain that has the greatest effect on the mind but its continuance for our sensibility is more easily and more powerfully affected by weak but repeated impressions than by a violent but momentary impulse the power of habit is universal over every sensible being as it is by that we learn to speak to walk and to satisfy our necessities so the ideas of morality are stamped on our minds by repeated impressions the death of a criminal is a terrible but momentary spectacle and therefore a less efficacious method of deterring others than the continued example of a man deprived of his liberty condemned as a beast of burden to repair by his labour the injury he has done to society if i commit such a crime says the spectator to himself i shall be reduced to that miserable condition for the rest of my life a much more powerful preventive than the fear of death which men always behold in distant obscurity the terrors of death make so slight an impression that it has not force enough to withstand the forgetfulness natural to mankind even in the most essential things especially when assisted by the passions violent impressions surprise us but their effect is momentary they are fit to produce those revolutions which instantly transform a common man into a lacedaemonian or a persian but in a free and quiet government they ought to be rather frequent than strong the execution of a criminal is to the multitude a spectacle which in some excites compassion mixed with indignation these sentiments occupy the mind much more than the salutary terror which the laws endeavour to inspire 
but in the contemplation of continued suffering terror is the only or at least predominant sensation the severity of a punishment should be just sufficient to excite compassion in the spectators as it is intended more for them than for the criminal a punishment to be just should have only that degree of severity which is sufficient to deter others now there is no man who upon the least reflection would put in competition the total and perpetual loss of his liberty with the greatest advantages he could possibly obtain in consequence of a crime perpetual slavery then has in it all that is necessary to deter the most hardened and determined as much as the punishment of death i say it has more there are many who can look upon death with intrepidity and firmness some through fanaticism and others through vanity which attends us even to the grave others from a desperate resolution either to get rid of their misery or cease to live but fanaticism and vanity forsake the criminal in slavery in chains and fetters in an iron cage and despair seems rather the beginning than the end of their misery the mind by collecting itself and uniting all its force can for a moment repel assailing grief but its most vigorous efforts are insufficient to resist perpetual wretchedness in all nations where death is used as a punishment every example supposes a new crime committed whereas in perpetual slavery every criminal affords a frequent and lasting example and if it be necessary that men should often be witnesses of the power of the laws criminals should often be put to death but this supposes a frequency of crimes and from hence this punishment will cease to have its effect so that it must be useful and useless at the same time i shall be told that perpetual slavery is as painful a punishment as death and therefore as cruel i answer that if all the miserable moments in the life of a slave were collected into one point it would be a more cruel punishment than any other but these are scattered through his whole life whilst the pain of death exerts all its force in a moment there is also another advantage in the punishment of slavery which is that it is more terrible to the spectator than to the sufferer himself for the spectator considers the sum of all his wretched moments while the sufferer by the misery of the present is prevented from thinking of the future all evils are increased by the imagination and the sufferer finds resources and consolations of which the spectators are ignorant 
who judge by their own sensibility of what passes in a mind by habit grown callous to misfortune let us for a moment attend to the reasoning of a robber or assassin who is deterred from violating the laws by the gibbet or the wheel i am sensible that to develop the sentiments of one's own heart is an art which education only can teach but although a villain may not be able to give a clear account of his principles they nevertheless influence his conduct he reasons thus what are these laws that i am bound to respect which make so great a difference between me and the rich man he refuses me the farthing i ask of him and excuses himself by bidding me have recourse to labour with which he is unacquainted who made these laws the rich and the great who never deigned to visit the miserable hut of the poor who have never seen him dividing a piece of mouldy bread amidst the cries of his famished children and the tears of his wife let us break those ties fatal to the greatest part of mankind and only useful to a few indolent tyrants let us attack injustice at its source i will return to my natural state of independence i shall live free and happy on the fruits of my courage and industry a day of pain and repentance may come but it will be short and for an hour of grief i shall enjoy years of pleasure and liberty king of a small number as determined as myself i will correct the mistakes of fortune and i shall see those tyrants grow pale and tremble at the sight of him whom with insulting pride they would not suffer to rank with their dogs and horses religion then presents itself to the mind of this lawless villain and promising him almost a certainty of eternal happiness upon the easy terms of repentance contributes much to lessen the horror of the last scene of the tragedy but he who foresees that he must pass a great number of years even his whole life in pain and slavery a slave to those laws by which he was protected in sight of his fellow-citizens with whom he lives in freedom and society makes a useful comparison between those evils the uncertainty of his success and the shortness of the time in which he shall enjoy the fruits of his transgression the example of those wretches continually before his eyes makes a much greater impression on him than a punishment which instead of correcting makes him more obdurate the punishment of death is pernicious to society from the example of barbarity it affords if the passions or the necessity of war have taught men to shed the blood of their fellow-creatures the laws 
which are intended to moderate the ferocity of mankind should not increase it by examples of barbarity the more horrible as this punishment is usually attended with formal pageantry is it not absurd that the laws which detest and punish homicide should in order to prevent murder publicly commit murder themselves what are the true and most useful laws those compacts and conditions which all would propose and observe in those moments when private interest is silent or combined with that of the public what are the natural sentiments of every person concerning the punishment of death we may read them in the contempt and indignation with which every one looks on the executioner who is nevertheless an innocent executor of the public will a good citizen who contributes to the advantages of society the instrument of the general security within as good soldiers are without what then is the origin of this contradiction why is this sentiment of mankind indelible to the scandal of reason it is that in a secret corner of the mind in which the original impressions of nature are still preserved men discover a sentiment which tells them that their lives are not lawfully in the power of any one but of that necessity only which with its iron sceptre rules the universe what must men think when they see wise magistrates and grave ministers of justice with indifference and tranquillity dragging a criminal to death and whilst a wretch trembles with agony expecting the fatal stroke the judge who has condemned him with the coldest insensibility and perhaps with no small gratification from the exertion of his authority quits his tribunal to enjoy the comforts and pleasures of life they will say ah those cruel formalities of justice are a cloak to tyranny they are a secret language a solemn veil intended to conceal the sword by which we are sacrificed to the insatiable idol of despotism murder which they would represent to us a horrible crime we see practised by them without repugnance and remorse let us follow their example a violent death appeared terrible in their descriptions but we see that it is the affair of a moment it will be still less terrible to him who not expecting it escapes almost all the pain such is the fatal though absurd reasonings of men who are disposed to commit crimes on whom the abuse of religion has more influence than religion itself if it be objected that almost all nations in all ages have punished certain crimes with death i answer that the force of these examples vanishes when opposed to truth 
against which prescription is urged in vain the history of mankind is an immense sea of errors in which a few obscure truths may here and there be found but human sacrifices have also been common in almost all nations that some societies only either few in number or for a very short time abstained from the punishment of death is rather favourable to my argument for such is the fate of great truths that their duration is only as a flash of lightning in the long and dark night of error the happy time is not yet arrived when truth as falsehood has been hitherto shall be the portion of the greatest number i am sensible that the voice of one philosopher is too weak to be heard amidst the clamours of a multitude blindly influenced by custom but there is a small number of sages scattered on the face of the earth who will echo to me from the bottom of their hearts and if these truths should happily force their way to the thrones of princes be it known to them that they come attended with the secret wishes of all mankind and tell the sovereign who deigns them a gracious reception that his fame shall outshine the glory of conquerors and that equitable posterity will exalt his peaceful trophies above those of a titus an antonius or a Fryan. how happy were mankind if laws were now to be first formed now that we see on the thrones of europe benevolent monarchs friends to the virtues of peace to the arts and sciences fathers of their people though crowned yet citizens the increase of whose authority augments the happiness of their subjects by destroying that intermediate despotism which intercepts the prayers of the people to the throne if these humane princes have suffered the old laws to subsist it is doubtless because they are deterred by the numberless obstacles which oppose the subversion of errors established by the sanction of many ages and therefore every wise citizen will wish for the increase of their authority End of chapter twenty eight